millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My husband and I were... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, we were newlyweds when our encounter with Bigfoot happened during the Christmas season up around Odell Lake in central Oregon. Here is our account and story. Our account, by the way, is true. And this is what my husband and I saw and what we experienced while on a belated honeymoon or Christmas getaway. And oh, this did not deter us from the future plans we were making to move to this part of the country at all. Not even a little bit. Actually, it gave us even more of a reason to relocate and live here, as you will soon understand. My husband and I were orphans. It was crazy to meet someone like him who was, well, like me, from an adopted home. We met at school after my parents relocated to the Bay Area. Come to find out a week later, we would also attend the same church, too. Yes, my parents are my loving, awesome parents, and they have raised a pretty well-rounded daughter, I believe. Did great in school, leads a home Bible study to this day, and ended up with a degree in marketing. My husband ended up in a very loving home as well. His parents were also believers who loved him and gave him every advantage some orphan children never get to experience. So because of that, he became an organizer for a large Christian outreach program for orphan children around the world. It keeps him at home, but from time to time, he does have to leave for a few days or so at a time. Thus the reason for a belated honeymoon. As I said, we both had a lot in common faith, fun, music, movies, and a love for the great outdoors. We loved the Pacific Northwest especially. It was this love for the outdoors that led us to an unexpected run. In with this animal, or creature called Bigfoot. It was Christmas time nearly a decade ago. We had been married almost a year at that time. We opted for a December wedding because we were winter freaks, I suppose, and I did not want to wait any longer. Besides, Christmas and anniversaries sounded great together. He had to be gone for a few days right after our wedding. So we promised each other a belated honeymoon and a Christmas in the Pacific Northwest, preferably Oregon, Central Oregon. That brings me to our encounter, something rather frightening but interesting, all at the same time. And yes, it gave us a Christmas and belated honeymoon we would never forget. Central Oregon it was, Lake Odell to be exact, our one-year anniversary and the honeymoon we missed and Christmas that year would be spent there. 
Our parents would meet us up there right before Christmas Eve, but we would be there for a whole week before, in a few days after Christmas. We wanted at least ten days of just enjoying each other and God's green earth together. Well, it turned out to be a white earth with all the snow. That was fine by us, as a matter of fact. We were into sledding and even cross-country skiing. So, with everything packed, including skies, we set off for a long drive. What I do know for a fact was that this thing was slightly bent down to look through the window itself. It took us hours upon hours to get there, but by nightfall we made it all safe and sound. I have to say it was even more beautiful than I expected, even as the sun was almost gone and I could only see so far. I could make the outline of the surrounding mountains, the lake that looked to have frozen edges, and some lights from a couple cabins that must be in use nearby. There were not a lot of cabin lights, I noticed, just a couple, from what I could tell, but then again, there were so many trees everywhere, so who could tell if there were more anyways? Our cabin was just out of sight of the lodge, yet within the shelter cove section. Within a couple minutes, we made it to the cabin. We were exhausted and decided to just unpack real quick and turn in for the night. Of course, we could not sleep just yet, so we grabbed some hot tea and enjoyed the warmth of the fireplace. The first night was quiet and uneventful. It was not until the next day that some odd occurrences and weird things would be noticed and experienced. I was up first the next morning. I grabbed a few things we forgot out of the car and got the skies off the rack and leaned them up against the cabin on the front porch area. I decided to take a quick walk with a hot cup of coffee down by the edge of the lake about 50 feet from the cabin. As I came to the edge of the lake, I noticed I was correct. The lake was frozen to about 20 or so feet out from the shoreline. I also noticed I was not the only visitor to this part of the lake. I noticed footprints. At first, it took me a few seconds to grasp what I was looking at. I even pulled my head up and looked around. I remember wondering who in the world is running around this place barefoot. It was around 30 degrees out that morning, I remember. Clear skies, but 30 degrees. I did not notice if they were overly large at the time or not. All I could really make out was the front half of each foot. Trust me, it was frozen solid down by the lake. Any impression at all would have to be from someone or something very heavy. That was the weird part at the time that made me think for a minute. I looked around at my surroundings a bit and then back down at the footprints that led along the edge of the lake towards the lodge thinking. It was a little odd, I thought, but that was it. I just thought it was odd. I told my husband over breakfast, and he, like me, agreed there must be one not so smart cookie up here this week. The rest of the day was spent having fun, of course. It was midweek, so the crowd was sparse at best, which was fine by us. I have to say the couple running the resort were awesome folks. We had told them about this being our belated honeymoon and our real first Christmas together. With that, they had brought us a Christmas tree and some ornaments for it. It was a sweet gesture we took full advantage of that second night. We trimmed the tree, ate dinner, and decided to take a walk down by the lake right before dark. We walked along the shore away from the lodge in a northeasterly direction. It was then that we thought we heard a whistle coming from the woods above us. It whistled a second time, and you could not mistake it. Someone was whistling in the woods. My husband thought nothing of it, only mentioning it was probably just a person passing by. As we walked, the whistles kept coming. 
not constantly, but every few minutes or so. Back in the cabin once again, we turned in for the night. The next morning, as usual, I was up before my husband, not wasting one minute up there. I filled up my coffee cup and headed out the door for a walk along the lake while my husband slept, as I barely got past where we parked the car when I noticed footprints in the snow again. This time I knew they were fresh. I was out here yesterday and would have noticed them. These, however, were rather large and noticed, and the length between them, the stride, was rather long. I would wait until my husband woke up to show him, and I continued with my walk. This time that morning I did feel a little off while on my walk. I felt like I was being watched. My husband, being the sweetheart he is, called over to the lodge to let them know what we found. It was a husband and wife team by chance that ran the place back then, and the husband came over to check it out. He joked about it, but he did mention Bigfoot. We all laughed at it, of course, but he did say that there had, over time, been reports of sightings of the creature around the area, but he reassured us he had never seen one, and personally did not believe they even existed. To this day, I believe he was telling us the truth. I think he never heard anything or noticed anything while he, they, were there. We all shook it off to be somebody messing around, but who it was could not be anyone staying there at the time. The other couples were older folks for the most part. Either way, he said he would keep an extra eye out and that we should too. It was my husband that woke me up in the middle of the night two days later. He was wide, eyed, and fully awake. No, he was not frightened or scared at all. But he was fully alert and dragged me out of bed and over to the window in the kitchen. He propped open the window just a bit. The cold night breeze almost hurt to tell you the truth, but he insisted I stand still and listen. Howling, but not a dog type of howl. More like a deep, almost screaming howl coming from the mountains behind the cabin. Later, a month later, listening to some recordings I would find online, I can honestly tell you it was a Bigfoot howling that night. Besides, and not just because we would see it, the sounds were freaky and in a weird, chilling kind of a way. After a few minutes, and at the behest of me to shut the window, my husband reluctantly did so. We chatted again for a bit about it before we both fell back to sleep. Mine and my husband's parents would be there in just a few days to spend the last four days with us. Of course, they would all be in the cabin next to us. Well, not right next to us. It was about forty. Fifty feet away from ours, the footprints and now the howling was making me feel a little uncomfortable. Not for my safety or anything like that, really. Looking back now, I do. But then it was just feeling uncomfortable with my parents being there to experience these weird little things. At that time, we were about to spring it on our folks that we would, inside a year, be moving to central Oregon. I wanted nothing to make them feel any more worried about, including Bigfoot. Well, as far-fetched as Bigfoot seemed to me at that moment, it could be a little bit of an issue. The rest of that day, I decided to let it go. I put Bigfoot out of my mind and started focusing on getting things ready and get some skiing in with the husband. There were no more weird feelings of being watched or howls for a night or two after that night. However, the footprints were still being found all over the place, and some came pretty close to the cabin, our cabin. The parents would be there the next day, the day after my husband and I realized how real these things, this Bigfoot species is. Christmas Eve, Eve, 
It was the weekend, and we decided to get some cross-country skiing in. It was a clear day. The snow had stopped, and clear skies were to be the weather pattern for the next few days to come. No creepy feelings came that day, I remember, but then again, there were a lot of people enjoying the snow that whole weekend, especially the last day of the weekend. Like many animals, maybe being a little fearful and weary of humans, runs deep with this species as well. Some of the stories I hear seem to fly in the face of that belief, but when you see these things and know they are there, well, I think, think they would rather not be involved with people, for the most part at least. But, back to the day, it was great, all of it. I was having a great Christmas vacation and honeymoon, and telling you the truth, a part of me was a little thrilled with the footprints and howling going on. It made it just that much more exciting to a point. However, exciting would turn into less excitement and more of a cautious interest and massive of shock at first, too. We had eaten dinner, I made some cookies earlier for dessert, and some hot cocoa with peppermint. I always add peppermint to my cocoa. We were wrapping gifts for our parents when I noticed some movement near the kitchen window. Mind you, the kitchen window was rather high off the ground and larger than you expect for a rental cabin in the woods. Whatever it was, I could not see the street light down the way towards the lodge I could usually see through the window. Whatever it was was blocking it. As I looked out the window, it only took seconds, and then all of a sudden, well, I felt a sense of shock go right through me. I grabbed my husband's arm tightly, I remember. He even made a sound it was so hard. He followed my gaze at that moment out the kitchen window. I have seen film of Bigfoot since then, and I have to say there was a film of one walking through the forest in the Sierras, I believe, by a forest service guy. That was it, except I could see the face in the upper torso. Well, I think most of the upper torso. What I do know for a fact was that this thing was slightly bent down to look through the window itself. Its face was not human, but it did have a human likeness to it. The report of an ape-like nose I can understand, however. It was not smashed down like a great ape. You could see a sort of rounded nose that was longer than it was smashed. Work from home. Click here to learn more about how you can partner with a great company today and start that work-at-home lifestyle today. The face was long and the eyes were huge, but had a ton of wrinkles around them. Between the red eye shine and the wrinkles, that is what made this thing look truly scary. Its mouth was huge, and I could even see some of the teeth between the large lips. The skin was dark gray, not gray, but a darker gray like a real dark stormy sky before a bad storm. It had no ears sticking out, and the hair seemed to be a dark, dark brown. At least it looked like it. The eyes were huge. It just looked scary. There was little hair between the nose and lower forehead area. We got a good look at this thing. It was wrinkly too, very wrinkly. It looked at us as though it was curious, but frustrated all at the same time. Or perhaps it was just frustrated and wanted to eat us. I don't know. I don't think anyone is in the heads of these things yet. It blinked once, then turned and walked off. We immediately jumped up locked the front door, and I shut off the lights. We had no gun at the time, so we were rather frightened for our own safety because of that fact. We stood there for about another three, four minutes, just staring out the window, talking about what we saw. 
while in the middle of talking or whispering more like it, that creature, that Bigfoot thing came back into view, except closer to the tree line about 30 yards from the cabin. It was tall, but compared to me, anything was tall compared to me, though as I am all of the five feet six. But this thing, well, it had to be at least eight feet tall. My husband the next morning would say it around seven, seventy-one or two feet tall when he compared it to the tree it was next to. It was standing near a large pine tree, a Douglas fir, if I remember correctly. It was visible because of the street light near the lodge casting a backlight on it. I could not make out the face anymore, but it was tall, long arms, and seemed to have a slight bend at the hips as it walked away. It had a funny-looking gait. When people say it steps one foot in front of the other, it does, and I don't think it can help it the way the shape of the body looked. Hopefully, those of you who have seen this thing can understand what I mean. We immediately called over to the lodge, waking up the managers. The husband came out on a ski machine about 20 minutes later, and he too was surprised at the footprints, their shape, size, and the fact that they looked close to human footprints. However, he noticed that the big toe was off too far to the side to be human, unless the human happened to be a giant person with deformed feet. While we wanted to laugh at the comment to keep our spirits up, we all just looked around and parted ways, quickly heading back inside. It was late. It was just after midnight by that point, and the parents would be there that day. While we eventually did fall asleep, it was not until after a cup of tea and some time to process what we had seen. In the meadow, we built an abominable snowman. Scary, but with all the people out and about appeared during the holiday week, I felt more, well, lucky to have seen what I saw the night before than anything. However, I was still a little freaked out. I guess I felt that way because I was in what I felt to be a safer environment at the time. Some people are not when they have an encounter. We kept close to the resort as we walked around a bit the next day, but most of the time was spent getting things ready for the parents' arrival. Of course, a bit after they arrived, we told our parents what we experienced that night over dinner, and they did believe us. So much so that my mom wandered around a little nervous, I could tell the next few days. We also told them that we were relocating to Central Oregon, to the Bend area to be exact. They were a little sad at the news, but they joked that I could do some research on the ape, like creature we saw in our cabin window. As a park ranger named Jack, my days were usually spent exploring the rugged beauty of the Grand Canyon National Park. However, the tranquility was shattered when reports of strange occurrences reached my ears. Campers spoke of hearing unsettling whispers and witnessing unexplained phenomena deep within the forest. Intrigued and concerned, I couldn't ignore their claims. The campers' accounts led me down a path I never expected. Reddit threads revealed stories of a cryptid known as the Whisperer a shadowy figure rumored to entice unsuspecting victims into the woods with its hypnotic whispers. I couldn't dismiss these stories as mere fabrications, especially as more reports flooded in. Determined to uncover the truth, I delved deeper into the forest. 
my senses alert to any unusual signs or sounds. The forest seemed alive, whispering secrets that danced on the edge of my perception. Each step brought a mix of anticipation and trepidation. During one of my patrols, the atmosphere crackled with an undeniable energy. The air grew heavy and a chill snaked down my spine. I cautiously moved forward, following a faint trail that led deeper into the heart of the forest. And then I saw it. A flicker of movement in the shadows caught my attention. My heart skipped a beat as my eyes focused on a creature, a cryptid standing just beyond my reach. Time seemed to stand still as I registered its presence. Without thinking, I reached for my rifle, a reflex born out of self-preservation and the instinct to protect. The weight of the weapon in my hands gave me a false sense of control. I took aim, my finger tightening on the trigger. But before I could fire, the cryptid vanished into thin air. It dissolved into the darkness, leaving only the echo of its eerie whispers behind. My shot missed its mark, and the creature was gone, as elusive as ever. A mixture of frustration and awe washed over me. The encounter left me shaken. My belief system shattered. I could no longer deny the existence of the Whisperer. The campers' accounts, the Reddit stories, and now my own first-hand experience had transformed me into a believer. From that moment forward, my dedication to protecting the park took on a new fervor. I no longer questioned the supernatural elements that intertwined with the natural beauty of the Grand Canyon. Instead, I embraced the responsibility of safeguarding both visitors and the enigmatic secrets hidden within the forest. I've worked many different jobs in my lifetime, starting as a janitor. I worked on a farm for about two years at one point later as a P-teacher in a high school. I was even an officer before eventually moving to New Jersey and eventually getting a job as a park ranger in the Pine Barrens. I'd moved to New Jersey to be closer to my family. The job didn't seem to be hard. I'd work four days a week and I would spend all my time in the park. The other three would be my days off. Now, I haven't worked for the park for a very long time, and I'm about to tell you why. I think I lasted a year, and maybe even less than that. I had a series of very strange things happen to me there, and the final straw made me quit my job as soon as I got the chance. So, I began working at Pine Barrens in April of that year. I was introduced to the job in the park by the park services. The place is humongous. It stretches over the area that is 22% of New Jersey. My job was to patrol a certain area, make sure everything was in order. If you've ever visited the Pine Barrens, you would know that abandoned buildings and towns are scattered throughout the park. I would clock in on a Tuesday, work through the Friday and Saturday through Monday. The first couple of weeks went smooth. I was getting familiar with the woods and my route. The third week was when my first spooky experience happened. It was Thursday evening. I was going my regular route. The park was buzzing with nature sounds. There were no people anywhere that I'd run into that day. I know that sometimes kids like to wander the park at night looking for ghosts or just a secluded place to hang, but I had not seen any of them either. I was taking little mental notes of my surroundings, and I noticed the humming and buzzing. I couldn't tell where it was coming from at first. I looked around for a few minutes and still nothing. 
The noise was beginning to get closer, which is when I realized it was sneering me from above. I looked up and saw three bright lights moving in a circle, almost as if they were spiraling down towards me. Instinctively, I ducked and ran as fast as I could. It probably ran for a couple of hundred feet before turning around to see the lights were still there. They were not. There was no humming now either. I dropped to the ground trying to gather my composite and catch my breath. I also tried to make sense of what had happened five minutes prior. I do believe in aliens even though I never had an encounter before. I had no clue what else that could have been, so I kind of been in agreement with myself. Those were aliens and I wouldn't think about that anymore. And it was okay for a while. My second experience happened about five months after I began working in the park. I was again going on my regular route. It was now about 7 p.m. And at this point, since it was October, the sun was getting very low in the sky, and it was getting dark. The route was clear. Everything seemed to be in order until I noticed something lurking behind the trees about a hundred yards away from me. At first, it looked like a person, and maybe a man about 5'7". I thought it might have been some college kid playing a prank, trying to scare me. I saw his shoulder peeking behind a tree. I yelled out that nobody is allowed to be in the woods, the slade in this time of year. He didn't move. Only after I shouted a third time, he had finally moved in front of the tree. I could take a good look at him. When I saw him, I nearly had a heart attack. He was dressed in dirty, torn-up clothing. But the most disturbing thing about him was his head, or lack of one, I should say. I looked at him, not knowing if I should ask what he was, what happened to him, or just bolt out of there as fast as I could. I didn't either for a solid three minutes. I froze even though I noticed he had begun moving closer to me. He started running up to me as he was getting closer. I realized he was also translucent. This was a poltergeist. Now, when it comes to an alien, I'm a believer. When it comes to ghosts, however, I was very skeptical and sarcastic at times that anybody would talk about ghosts or demons or any alleged paranormal activity. I moved to the right a couple of steps as he was running straight at me, and he just vanished. I turned around to see where he had gone, but there was no trace of him, only a vapory trail of mist, just what looked like a cloud of dust, almost settling. After that second incident, I decided that all my love for nature and the outdoors, and as much as I loved being a ranger, staying here was not worth it. This hot mess of a place was not worth me going literally insane for. Trying to keep working there, I called in the next day and explained the situation. They told me that something like this had already happened for their previous rangers. They tried to convince me to stay on the job for longer and doubled my pay, but I refused. I would not risk losing my own mind. Hiking with my scout group a few years back. We usually just followed the roads, but one of our leaders knew the area and told us about a three-kilometer little trail that would lead us straight through the woods and cut about two hours from our planned route, giving us more time to chill in the evening. So we took the trail and, after about a kilometer, came across a campsite. Nothing unusual, just a regular tent. Small campfire set up but not yet lit and a few dishes. Then we heard some noise, like someone trying to scream. 
So we investigated and found a little girl, about six, tied up and muffled in the back of the tent. We asked her who she was and how she ended up tied and muffled on that little trail. But she only spoke Dutch, so I had to translate for the rest of the group. She said her uncle had taken her out to go camping for a few days and that once they'd arrived here, he'd told her not to leave and tied her up to make sure she wouldn't. We assumed he was a, quote, kid lover and going to her, her, her or else straight up kill her. So we took her back to the main road, called the police, and when they arrived and took care of the girl, a few of the girl, a few of the officers asked us to lead them to the camp. When we got back there, the tent was gone and the fire was broken up to make it seem like there had been nothing there. But you could tell there had been a campsite and we saw footprints all over. So we assumed that the uncle of the little girl had either seen us talk to the girl and take her away, or else came back from wherever he was to find the girl gone and assumed he was found out and packed up the tent quickly and noped out of there. I shudder to think what would have happened to the little girl if we hadn't heard her or found her. Edit to clarify, we were eight guys between 12 and 16. Some of us were actual bodybuilders, or as close as and tall at. I assume he thought if we'd seen him, we'd beat him up, which we absolutely would have. We were also thought some very basic but effective self-defense by the scout leaders in case of any problems, and were told to carry our camping knives in full view to deter problem seekers. Most of my life, mostly childhood, I've seen gray humanoids about the size of an adult person that live exclusively on the ceilings of buildings. I used to call them heights because when I was afraid to go on the top bunk or have a shoulder ride indoors, people said I must be afraid of heights. I was like three when I started calling them that and just never bothered to rethink it. Nowadays, knowing that there are people who study beings like that, I'm interested to know if anyone has seen them other than me. I started seeing them in rural Tennessee, then rural Idaho when we moved, but stopped seeing them as much when I moved to the city. But I'm sure if I cared to look, I'd still see them occasionally to this day as there's a very particular calming energy they bring about. I do want to note that even though I was initially afraid of them as a kid, I very quickly found that the heights were not malicious at all. Lost objects would show up in the tops of cupboards, my hair would be pushed out of my face at night by cold hands, etc. It was more like they were just there, watching, taking care of me. They're completely gray humanoid and either have very vague facial features or none at all. Long fingers perpetually freezing cold and, as I said before, very gentle and kind. No one I've ever talked to has seen these, but I know that the things moved or found to be higher up than any of my siblings could reach were all also seen by my family. Does this ring a bell for anything? Or am I overthinking a simple childhood friend? Thanks. A number of years ago, my grandparents lived near a town in eastern Washington called Okanogan. They owned a small ranch above the town on top of a small mountain, about a 15-minute drive from downtown. They owned 100 acres of land. 
My sister, cousin, and I would spend about a month during summer vacation out there helping out and, of course, doing some exploring. They only had a few neighbors that were down the road, so it was pretty secluded. Anyways, there was an old circular hut on about an acre of land, pretty much right next to their fence line. Ever since I could remember, the place had been up for sale. The guy that used to live there got hauled off to prison for trying to light the courthouse on fire to burn his criminal records. So we would go look around and walk through the place. Being kids, we did a lot of hiking and exploring throughout the area up there, but for some reason we never hiked up the small canyon near that house, so we decided to do that one day. I was with my sister, my cousin, and two of our friends, and we started to hike up through the small canyon. Once we got to the top, we came to a large area of flat pasture land, and a ways off, a small cabin. Walking a little closer, we realized that it was abandoned. No windows, doctor, pretty much torn off the hinges. A lot of vegetation growing around the property and an old abandoned jeep parked near the cabin. We decided to take a closer look. When I walked over to the front door, I peered in to see if there was anything in there and saw that the whole place was filled with junk. I also noticed that there was a small deer carcass that was tangled or wound up in barbed wire hanging from the ceiling, completely vertical with its rear end facing upward. The barbed wire looked old and rusty. I didn't feel like getting too close to the entrance, and it was missing its head. Now back when this happened, I had just turned 15, so after taking a closer and quick look at it and letting everyone else look, I suggested we get out of there. We left after everyone had their turn looking at the carcass. We never went back up there due to the fact that we didn't know how that had gotten there, maybe a crazed hermit or something, our young minds. We never told my grandparents what we saw since they didn't want us wandering too far from their property. They ended up moving a few years ago, and since I have my own family now, I hadn't been over there in about five years. Thinking about it now, maybe it was a hunter that had put it there. But then again, why would they use barbed wire to hang the carcass? I have no idea, but that freaked us out back then. One morning this spring decided to go turkey hunting up in the Ottawa Valley. That night I stalked a group of turkeys and set up just a bit from their roost. The next morning, I hike up into the edge of the woods and get into my ground, bland, nice and early. It was about 4.30 a.m. when I was all set up and in place. I'm sitting there, and at about about 4.40, I hear something creeping towards me in the bush. Keep in mind that it's still pitch black dark. All of a sudden, I hear a scream or shriek, unlike anything I've ever heard before. My heart starts pounding, and I grip my gun tighter and tighter. It slowly gets closer and closer, continuously letting out this shriek which sounded half-human. My skin is crawling and I'm freaking the F out. I spend hours every year in the bush and I've seen so much, but I have no idea what the F this thing is. It slowly starts to distance itself and I start to calm down and catch my breath. All of a sudden it starts making its way back towards me again, screaming every five seconds, and I'm literally about to have a heart attack. The turkeys are gobbling every time this thing screamed, and it was getting intense. The thing was 20 yards in front of me, and you still couldn't see a thing. 
I was working on an oil rig an hour and a half northwest of College Station. We were drilling on someone's land where we cleared out spot where the forest was thick. One day, I walking through the mud pits area and under the support beam of the roof, I saw what I thought was a snake. I go and grab our mud collection cup that tied to a long stick is to poke it to get it out if there. It then decided to slither off the support beam and fly around me as I swing furiously is to catch it and find out what the hell it is. It had many legs, kinda like a centipede, about three, four feet in length. As I'm swinging at it, one of the cameras was pointing at me. The driller then ran to edge of the rig floor and was asking me, what the hell is that thing? As I turned to see who was yelling at me, the thing took to the sky. We both looked at it until it disappeared into the clouds. I never thought I would feel that scared and helpless in my entire life. I had heard stories about mountain lion attacks, but I never expected to come face to face with one. I always knew that elk hunting was going to be dangerous, but I never thought that my life would be at stake. It was a cold morning when I bailed early from school to go elk hunting. The snow was deep, and I had to cut my own tracks to get to the public land where I knew there were elk. I had permission from a landowner to go through his property, but little did I know that I would have an uninvited guest joining me on my journey. As I was walking up the trail, I noticed a group of does feeding. I carefully worked my way around them and back onto the trail to avoid disturbing them. A few minutes later, the deer started running past me at full speed. I had never seen anything like it before. Suddenly, I heard a horrible scream coming from the oak brush nearby. It was the sound of a deer being taken down by a predator. That's when I realized that I was not alone. My heart started racing as I tried to remain calm and composed. I quickly turned around and began to jog back down the trail, hoping to get back to my truck as soon as possible. It was then that I noticed the mountain lion tracks in my boot prints. I couldn't believe it. That mountain lion had been following me for almost a mile. I could only imagine what would have happened if that deer hadn't distracted it. I knew that I had to get out of there as quickly as possible, but I also had to remain cautious. I kept looking over my shoulder, expecting the mountain lion to come after me at any moment. I could hear the sound of my own heart beating as I jogged down the trail. My mind was racing with thoughts of how to defend myself if the mountain lion did attack. Eventually, I made it back to my truck and drove home as quickly as I could. I was shaken up, but I knew that I had survived a close call. It was a sobering reminder of how dangerous elk hunting could be and how we should always be prepared for the unexpected. From that day on, I always made sure to carry a weapon with me when I went hunting, and I made sure to stay alert and aware of my surroundings. I never wanted to experience that kind of fear and helplessness again. heard and saw a lot of stuff at night running hounds. About 20 years ago, a couple of buddies and I were out training dogs. We used to hunt by an old cemetery quite a bit. This night it was around 2 a.m. in the summertime. The dogs were running an old coon track down in the river bottoms. It was a crystal clear night where sound travels well. All of a sudden we heard people arguing by our truck, which is by the cemetery. 
We were a little over a quarter of a mile away, and I got to the truck as soon as I could. Didn't want anyone messing with our ride home. When I get there, no one is around. No dust where someone left and not a sound. Can't say that we were scared about it, but we did call the dogs in and went home. Hunted there many times after that without anything happening again. Picture a ten-year-old Odin laying prone in full head-to-toe green woodland BDU-style clothes. Complete with boonie head and trusty 760 pump master carried sideways across my arms. I was doing my best to emulate Carlos Hathcock as I crawled down a deep gully at the bottom of a valley. The gully started about six feet deep with steep sides, then slowly became more shallow, which was perfect to cover my movements, so Charlie wouldn't see me as I eased toward my objective. A squirrel and rabbit hunted these woods daily, mainly just enjoying the woods and to pass time. As I neared a house that aligned with the wash, I knew that I would soon run out of room and would have to reverse course back toward home. Just as the shop behind the house came into view, I heard a shot. My first thought was cool. Maybe I'll meet a new friend to hang out with. Then back into sniper mode, I decided to sit tight and see what happened. Soon I heard footsteps coming my way in the dry hardwood leaves. Things were about to get real as I prepared to have to explain why I'm hunting here because I had no idea who lived there, although I'm sure they knew my parents. I'm still a little too deep in the wash to see outside, so I just wait and listen for the footsteps to get closer. Then I see a black bag land in the wash about 20 feet in front of me, and then the footsteps begin going away from me. I do what any 10-year-old would do and crawl toward the bag. When I get to the bag, it is obviously a black trash bag. I'm laying there with my head only inches away from the bag. I guess I was hoping there may be some alcohol or adult reading materials inside. I poked the bag with my barrel and it seemed like whatever is in it was soft and flexible. I reached out and began looking for the opening of the bag. I began rolling the bag and the object finally fell out exposing a bloody mouth complete with a large fang about eight feet from my face. For a split second, I remember thinking I had met my end. I don't think it would have scared me had I not been laying down and the fangs so close. It turned out to be just a large black house cat that had crossed this neighbor. He never knew I was there, and that's definitely the scariest thing I've found in the woods. I remember the night my colleagues told me about their encounter with the strange creature in the suburbs of Minneapolis. It was roughly 1 a.m. in the middle of the night, and they were driving along the side of the road. The environment was dark and the lights were flickering, creating an eerie atmosphere. According to them, they saw a tall figure, almost 10 feet in height, standing on the side of the road. It was white grayish in color and had no identifiable facial features. The creature was skinny and had no hair, clothes, or genitalia. Despite its humanoid shape, it was unlike anything they had ever seen before. My colleagues were not superstitious and did not believe in ghosts. They were rational people who had never reported anything like this before. However, they were both adamant about what they saw and their stories matched up perfectly. 
They saw the same thing. To this day, they never saw the creature again. It remains a mystery, a strange and unexplained encounter that will forever be etched in their memories. I couldn't help but feel a chill run down my spine as they told me their story. The thought of encountering such a creature in the dead of night is enough to make anyone feel uneasy. I had been a police officer for ten years and had seen my fair share of strange things, but nothing could have prepared me for what I encountered at Graceland Cemetery. It was a quiet night, just past midnight, when the call came in. There had been reports of strange activity at the cemetery, and I was the closest officer on duty. As I made my way through the winding roads leading to the cemetery, I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was off. When I arrived, I saw that the gate was wide open. It was strange since the cemetery was supposed to be closed for the night. I walked cautiously into the cemetery, my flashlight guiding my way. As I approached a particular gravestone, I saw a figure standing near it. At first, I thought it was just a person paying their respects to the deceased, but as I got closer, I realized that this was no ordinary person. It was a tall figure with a pale complexion and piercing red eyes. It was like nothing I had ever seen before. I tried to call out to it, but it just stood there, staring at me. Suddenly, the figure started to move towards me. I tried to back away, but I was rooted to the spot. It was then that I realized that I was facing something beyond my understanding. It was like the creature was toying with me, playing with my mind. I don't remember how long I stood there frozen in fear, but the next thing I knew, the creature was gone, vanished into the night. I was left alone with my thoughts, trying to make sense of what I had just experienced. In the days that followed, Mineral Point was gripped by a strange epidemic of mass hysteria. People reported seeing the same creature I'd encountered in the cemetery. It was like a vampire had descended upon our quiet town, and there was no escaping its grasp. Over the years, there were sudden outbreaks and bizarre crimes that were attributed to the Mineral Point vampire. But despite all efforts to catch the creature, it remained elusive, always lurking in the shadows, waiting for its next victim. Now, years later, I still can't shake off the memory of that fateful night. The Mineral Point vampire may be gone, but the fear it instilled in me remains. Every time I pass by Graceland Cemetery, I can't help but wonder if the creature is still out there, waiting for its next victim. Okay, I will first start this with saying I've never believed in the mythical creature crap, but after what I saw, I kinda have changed my mind. I was walking in the woods behind my house last Monday. I was on a dirt road, and all of a sudden I heard a very, very loud thump on the ground, like if a 20,000-pound bull could run, and I kinda ran to try to get a glimpse of it, thinking it was a deer. I saw a person-like figure very very dark it could have be dark because of shadows or what not the time was five in the afternoon by the way broad daylight anyway it was kinda skinny but not really it, it looked like it had horns but i couldn't really tell because i only saw it for a split second before it absolutely bolted off 
And any time I go in the woods, I carry a gun. I decided to carry a shotgun today, seeing what I thought was some meth head or mythical creature. I pulled my shotgun off of my back and kept walking a little down the road, and I immediately called my friend and told him what happened. I wasn't worried in the moment, considering I had a gun because nothing is bulletproof, and I kept walking, and I got a feeling to just turn around. So that's what I did. After processing what I saw the whole way home, I was looking behind my shoulder. I would take about two steps and look behind me, but whatever I saw, it didn't make any noises. It just ran off. It didn't trot off like a deer. It ran like a person. I told my brother today about it, and he told me that within the year he was outside at night with our dad just in my driveway, and he saw something hunched over, no hair, pointy ears, and grayish in color run past, probably about 30 miles per hour from a corner of the house to a car parked right next to it. This was about 10 feet away from him, by the way, and he at first thought it was a person, and he went and looked behind the car, and there wasn't anything there. He also looked under and didn't see anything. He said it was absolutely quiet as well. He asked our dad if he heard or saw anything, and he said no, so he didn't know what he saw. The thing my brother described didn't sound like what I saw, but I believe him. I wonder how long this creature or creatures have been out there. I'm very creeped out, though, and I really don't want to go back out there anyway. I'm not asking you to believe me because just a week ago, if I read this, I would say this is fake AF, but not any damn more, and just asking for some help to understand what I saw. During my deployment in Afghanistan, I was assigned the task of assisting the operator flying the Raven a small unmanned aerial vehicle equipped with an infrared camera during nighttime operations. Our mission primarily involved searching for insurgents, planting roadside bombs, a rather monotonous duty. However, one particular night, something peculiar caught our attention on the camera's feed. In the corner of the camera's view, we noticed a distinct circular hotspot. Intrigued, we maneuvered the Raven to obtain a better perspective hoping to unravel the mystery of this featureless, intensely glowing sphere. Whether displayed in white and cold or black and hot, this enigmatic entity remained an impenetrable solid black, unwavering for approximately five minutes. Then abruptly it swiftly descended, almost touching the ground as we flew at an altitude of around 160 feet above ground level. Just as swiftly it ascended back into the sky, disappearing from the raven's range. Intrigued and perplexed, we immediately reported the sighting of this unidentified flying object, UFO, to the Tactical Operations Center, TOK. However, their response offered little satisfaction. They dismissed it as a mere glitch, stating that there was no corresponding satellite data in that specific area. Determined to investigate further, we turned to the footage recorded on our specialized Toughbook laptop. To our astonishment, when we reviewed the footage, we discovered a glaring omission. The five minutes encompassing the UFO sighting were conspicuously missing. It was as if those crucial moments had been deliberately erased, or simply vanished into thin air.
There is an expansive stretch of woods and forests near my house, a vast playground for exploration during my childhood. It was a common occurrence for my friends and me to venture into this realm, stumbling upon discarded items like clothing, gardening tools, and even a forgotten twister game. On one particular day, driven by curiosity and a sense of mischief, we decided to venture into the woods once again. As we roamed around, a rustling sound broke the tranquility of the surroundings. We dismissed it as some harmless animal, jokingly attributing the noise to their playful antics. However, the subsequent sound we heard was unlike anything we had encountered before. A prolonged, eerie sound reminiscent of accidentally stepping on a cat's tail. An eerie silence enveloped the forest, sending shivers down our spines. The stillness was so profound that the faintest sound would have echoed like a thunderclap. It was in that moment of eerie quietude that we beheld its presence. With startling agility, it darted past us on all fours, its bulging eyes fixated upon us. It stared directly into our souls, resembling a deer caught in the headlights of an approaching car. Frozen in fear, we lacked the instinct to fight or flee. Only sheer terror gripped our beings. The creature lingered for a brief moment, turning its head with an unsettling motion when one of us dared to make a slight movement. In hindsight, its visage seemed as if a wild animal had suffered the gruesome loss of its facial features, yet the fluidity of its movements was deeply unsettling, emitting another spine-chilling noise. Our peripheral vision caught a glimpse of a black bear in the distance. Without hesitation, the creature charged toward the bear, providing us the perfect opportunity to escape. We sprinted away with unmatched speed propelled by adrenaline and the echoes of that creature's unsettling noise reverberating through our minds. From that day forward, I adamantly refused to set foot in those backyard woods ever again, haunted by the memory of that chilling encounter.